He does. And he married a large family. That's true. Yeah, he Hello and good job. There's nobody in the door. You see, we are air conditioning the uh, neighborhood. There's anything wrong with that. Is there anybody here that shouldn't be here? How many people want to be here? Okay. So, I thought I saw... Greg and Gabby. Stop that. That's they scary. We have to repoint the mic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That way. All right. Everything you say. We're just trying to And you're doing a good job, Janet. Gee whiz. Oh, man. Well, a couple of uh, couple of quick announcements. If you were not here for the uh, for the prayer service, which is Jerry's regular deal. Um, oh, thank you for coming, Jerry. And Josh. Just that I'm here. Yes, I am. <laughs> this is the last time that we will oh, see Jerry no. here. Until the world to come. But he is heading halfway to the New Holy Land. Uh, so he'll be in uh, the glorious state of Texas. Turns out, it, it turns out, by the way, that Texas has the same area code as Israel has national code. So it really is the other Holy Land. Cool. Very nice. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Something's going to happen. Were there any wells in Texas? There are! Wait! Yeah. Okay. So. God bless you guys. I want, I want you to, I want you to know this is the first family in our fellowship that is moving that we don't have to pack. As Jerry Wright setting the standard, yeah, you betcha. I'll you have a house to clean before I leave. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so we got we got a couple announcements. So first, that they're they are moving. So uh, that's sad, and it's it's great at the same time for them. So, um, nope. Jeremy had the opportunity to uh, to go to the Seder on the uh, on the Air Force Base there, and uh, the guy just just couldn't do it. So Jeremy let it. How cool is that? Yeah, it's neat stuff. So, uh, you know, they get. How'd they do? Uh, he said he mispronounced everything. There it is. I mean, but for the officers, Christian Fellowship, to have a state around base. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. 
So we have uh, honored guests. I see uh, they're not sitting together. There might have been a riff there on the way down. That's okay. Um, so you met last year. You met David McDonald, and you met his family. I, I assume Julie and the two girls are watching. Hey. Right? Um, but David is here looking spanky in that little green shirt. And... Um, Back in the corner, we've got two fine gentlemen. We've got Mark Pittock and his only son, Mark. Now, last... Uh, and Ben, I'm sorry. Um, ben, son of my right hand. Um, ben, by the way, we found out yesterday, is an excellent marksman. Oh, yeah. 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 Put, put his dad to shame. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? Pretty close, let me tell you, Marianne. We could have a shootout here, but, of course, he's... Not a citizen of the country here. Uh, yeah, Canadian. <laughs> hey, yeah. Um, so they're down, and uh, Mark was blessed to uh, to actually make Aliyah for the first time uh, and read from the Torah. So that was uh, really a cool deal. And uh, I got all choked up. David did it last time. And his, wife. and his wife came up, and uh, so that was very cool. The Moth Tear. Yeah. So uh, God bless you guys for being here. They came down here specifically to spend time with you. So when we're done with our portion discussion, if you just run out the front door and don't say anything to them, you blew it. Okay? They drove almost 20 hours just to see some of you. Shocking, I know. I wouldn't have done that. Marianne, did you have something? I have something really important. You learned something? Pray tell. I learned that matzah burns real quickly in the toaster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I could yeah. not. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's toasted. Yeah. It's toasted already. So, yeah. It's a double toast deal. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. No. All right. So, um, this is the first time that we have met as a community and both of the ladies that were in Israel. Have, have have come at the same time. So, uh, ladies, I wonder if uh, you might, you don't have to stand. Very cool in the hat, by the way. I like the hat. Um, if uh, Grace and Michaela, if you would uh, just give us, I don't know, seven minute little overview. I want to hear all about the partying. I think that, that part is really the highlight for me um, and so forth. Wait, wait, the dad needs to say something. <laughs> Yes, sir. Um, yeah, so before they share a little bit about their experience in Israel, um, just a couple a couple things. One is, um, I have the, uh, well, first of all, the, I know the right, some of the rights are still here, but I think, I'm sure. Sean, 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 just kind of publicly big thank you to uh, the rights for allowing uh, Grace to to go with Michaela yeah. because you know we had been talking for a long time about her going, but I wasn't going to send her by herself. And so having somebody that not only wanted to go but had the flexibility to go and all and all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, the the population of possibilities is pretty small, but yeah. praise God, it worked out, and so I'm really thankful uh, for the rights for letting Grace go, and I had the opportunity to escort them over uh, there at the beginning yeah. of the trip. Nobody wanted to do that, Greg. Yeah, there was 19 <laughs> volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
<laughs> so anyway, it was it was uh, it was a lot of fun <coughs> hanging out with them for a week. They're they're a, they're a riot, but uh, uh, it's it's been it's just been neat. You know, uh, there's a lot of stories I can tell, but it's been neat just kind of you know see them there and kind of see you know after I was I was just there for a week and they stayed for another you know three months. Four months. Uh, it was just neat to see you know uh, how they kind of acclimated and kind of some of the things God did and some of the opportunities they had. So, um, so I'm thankful for both of them for um, for uh, representing you know the community well Amen. while they were there. Yeah, it's very cool. So we sent two of the prettiest girls in the community to Israel by themselves. Are we nuts? <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah, my wife's got one of those. Yeah, it's like brass knuckles with the stabber thing. We did not send Grace at least understanding. Yeah, good, good. Good. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Michaela? Yeah, she's. Yeah. So, all right, so ladies, tell us in a nutshell. Talk. Anything you want. Go ahead. Isn't she unbelievable? Um, and so there's a lady, um, Orthodox lady, that lives inside the old city, right inside the old city in the Jewish quarter. And I was actually dropping off a book for Juliana, and I had just kind of intended to kind of like make appearance, drop off and say, uh, and we ended up, this was I don't know, like five minutes tops. Yeah, but yeah. we were kind of thinking, five minutes tops, we were going to go to the mall. And <laughs> we ended up st- sitting on her couch for like two and a half hours <laughs> and talking. And it was like one of the most encouraging conversations I've ever had. Praise God. You know, it was, so my time there, one of the, the biggest highlights for me was um, being encouraged in like our faith, which is happening coming from an Orthodox, an Orthodox Jew. Jew. Yeah. And like one of the first things that she told me is that us as a community, she mentioned Juliana and Lori were a huge inspiration to people. Praise God. And you know, hopefully I think I think we proved ourselves like there that and even got were able to get some kind of feedback on like you guys have inspired us because in their eyes we're not called to do what we're doing. Right. You do it because uh, you choose to. We're doing it because we choose yes. to Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that that was encouraging to me, you know, to have somebody who I like look up to and I like aspire to be more like and kind of like just putting it all in, you know. Yeah. It was really cool to have the feedback and get encouraged from them. And so that was my biggest my biggest highlight was was being there. We spent a lot of time in the city and a lot of time in the world, which was just amazing. Tova's table is is a known Ministry, not unlike your father and your mother's Erev Shabbos table. Um, and to have a known ministry like that and to be able to participate and then find out that you you actually encourage them has got to be the coolest deal. It, it That's huge, neat. You know, That's a, neat. A huge blessing. Yeah. Um, so I, I really was encouraged by Tilda's um, life and her walk. And she, yeah, she has kind of a full-time ministry. She she works and she she runs a school that she built for her daughter, and she's part of several different organizations. And she runs she has a full-time job of just ministering to anybody and everybody that walks into her home. Praise God. Um, so she's truly incredible and definitely inspired me. And I I you know would, I took away a lot from from her that family and that community. 
Excellent. Praise God. Praise God. Grace, what do you think? Like the second time, the the first time right there, of course, it was like the two two and a half hour conversations. Really but uh, the second time we went for like our last shot, and um, you know, it felt we felt like we were all family. You know, we're all sitting around the table singing. Like it was awesome. And um, like you know, I told Michaela several times that community is. I mean, I, I've been a part of several different communities, and now this one. Yeah. And, you know, God really opened our eyes to a lot of things. We like, debated stuff. We, you know, um, it was just, it was such a, a, like, a blessed time there. And I really, really loved it. The Orthodox have normally two approaches to us as Gentiles, right, yeah. coming in, right? They either tell us that we shouldn't be keeping the commandments and, and we're wrong to do so or they bless us because we're keeping them and they know they have to and we choose to and they were really like you know Toba said you know even even though there's a lot of people who go into and out of her house and yeah. you know not everybody has the same beliefs right. and she still opens them with opening arms you know and and it's just, it's truly remarkable. It's, it's a great... It is. And Father Abraham did the same thing, you know. Um, most of the Jews that I've met, Orthodox, that are like, wow, you keep the commandments. That's so cool. They realize something the other Jews don't. You know what it is? They realize that if the whole world kept the Torah... Not only would Messiah come, but it would be a better place. Yes. Amen? Yes. So, cool. It's, it's strange because, like, for them, it was weird because we don't have to, like, observe anything. We don't have to. Or we don't have to do Shabbat. Right. And we don't have to kosher. And for them to see us wanting to, like, for them, it's not an option. Right. But for us, it is. And, you know, well, not really, but, like, you know. Sure, yeah. <laughs> that's the way they see it. They Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so for them to, like, see us wanting to do this and just wanting, like, more of it. Yeah. It was, I think it was encouraging them. Well, it endears them. It endears us to them. Um, my family went to uh, a client's um, funeral. Um, the mom had died, and... Uh, Pete and I got to go to the funeral with the upside down shovel thing, and and uh, and then we we went to their home as they sat ship, and uh, you know I'm a I'm a former deacon, you know, so I'm 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 the guy that wants to gather up the plates and all that. Well, some old guy showed up with a suitcase, and in the suitcase he's got the sitters, so he passes out the sitters. We you know the rabbi shows up, we all do kaddish, and then he starts gathering up and stacking them back in the in the suitcase. So I mean I'm starting to grabbed the sitters and helped them put them away and all that. And my family's getting ready to leave and he grabbed me by the arm. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's like, uh, you're blessed. And I said, uh, thank you. And he goes, we keep the Torah because we must. You keep the Torah because you want to. And God will bless you for it. And I thought to myself at that moment, that's what God intended that they would be a light to us and we would simply join in. And that's very cool. And you've experienced it now from, yeah. from a really cool Jewish lady. That's neat. That's cool. Do you want to go back? Absolutely. Absolutely? Oh, you want to live there? Okay, yeah. Okay. So, so is there anybody who doesn't want to live there? Okay. 
Um, I know, Texas, Texas, but after Texas, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. I think one one of the other things, like, you know, it's impossible for me to share everything, but one of the other things I'm really, like, I knew from the moment, like, Mr. Adam asked me, I was like, oh, I don't know, like, if it's going to work out. Yeah. But then everything just really fell into place, and it was really hard leaving the country, leaving, like, you know, Caleb behind. It was, sure. It was really hard. Yeah. But once we were there, I knew that. Forget Caleb. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the email. It's all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but just one of the other things I'm so grateful for is before I left, like, before we left, Michael and I really did not know each other. Yeah. We weren't, like, we had a couple of, like, you know, times mm-hmm. we hung out, but really nothing. Yeah. And, you know, before we went, we were basically, you know, not really friends at all. And then when we came back, we were like sisters. That's good. And That's good. I learned that, you know, friendship isn't as fragile as I thought it was. And, you know, God really blessed me with an amazing friend like Michaela. And, like, and even though we're not, we're not like mentors to each other, we bounce off each other well. Good. And, you know, it's it was kind of, you know, cool to be there for somebody who is at the stage, same stage of life, you know, same beliefs. Sure. And um, I've been like really praying for God to give me a friend like that. That's cool. Yeah. I can tell you that uh, my dad is an old Italian man before he died. And uh, I come home and tell him about a friend <coughs> I had at school. And he didn't want to hear the story, he wanted to correct me. So, well, hang on, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's an acquaintance. He's not a friend. And I didn't realize until after he passed away how he really defined friends. And you found it. It's not fragile. Once you've got a friend, it's a lifelong thing. And it's cool. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that many of the men in this room I can count as friends rather than acquaintances. Some are still acquaintances, but I'm working on them, you know. So. <laughs> but that, that's, that's amazing and wonderful. And I, we praise God that you're back. Um, I really was tired of praying for you, so I, you know, I gave up <laughs> about two days before you, before you got back. But, you know. Yeah, well, there it is. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's cool. And, and I know that uh, when you go back to the land, probably with your husbands, you are going to have this cool I was here before let me show you kind of thing and they're going to love it and they're going to see the sparkle in your eyes and that's neat and I know that your parents both sides are are, are just going to just relish in that whole deal so you, you're you going to get married probably within the next year maybe at least three four years. months <laughs> okay Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday. Okay. And you guys are getting married within the next year, probably, too? No, actually. Okay, there's some gaps to be. Well, within the next couple of months. Well, there you go. Okay, so. I also want to say one more thing. Are you engaged? I know you're engaged. I wanted to say a special thank you to Mr. and Mrs. Upham. They're amazing, aren't they? Yes. And um, like like the same thing Mr. Upham said, thank you so much for letting me go with Michaela. And um, it was such a great opportunity. Like, um, it was really. Once in a lifetime, you know. And I know we'll go back with, you know, our husbands and stuff, and that'll be amazing. But um, it was, it was truly fantastic. Praise God. Praise God. Mm-hmm. Rebecca, you got anything to add? She she spent a week with them there as well. So. 
Any highlights? They're a riot, by the way. And they've already gotten to do, you know, here's where we do this. The night I got there, I actually, we landed an hour early. So I got to them before class, so I got to go to Hebrew with them. So I was like, well, I'm going to go to the wall. So I'm walking to the wall for the first time at 9.30 on, you know, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, whatever night it was. So Michaela showed me everything. It's all closed down. Um, you know, we went to eat dinner at 11 because we're in Israel. Why not? <laughs> but it was really great. I did not get to meet Tova, which I'm very sad. Um, she had other plans the weekend that I was there, but I met some of the other people that I met. And you I could tell that they had, they had been there. Yeah, they had integrated well. And they had really enjoying the community they met. Praise God. So, Praise God. I, think, uh, I think Tova, uh, as towards the end when they were getting ready to leave, um, I think Tova, you guys correct me if I get the statement wrong, but ba Tova basically told them her mission now was to get um, Messianic Judaism to be accepted within greater Judaism. Like that's, she's taken it upon herself. Can I send money to Tova? After Shabbat, of course. Basically saying she's effectively being an ambassador for Messianic Judaism wow. because, you know, while she doesn't believe you know, Yeshua's Messiah. Yes. She recognizes that you know, we're actually practicing Judaism. Sure. We're not right. practicing right. It's not a fake. Else, and, you know? and we're not trying to take them from their faith right. into exactly. a new faith. Exactly. Praise God. Well, I want you guys to know that um, it was a faith builder and a community builder for us here. Um, this is, you know, we've had a couple of you guys go out and come back, and uh, I, I just think our community is stronger because of it. We've we we recognize that there's there's life stuff going on, um, whether it's bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, travels to the land, coming back, getting married, under the kupa, whatever it may be, babies. and babies, <laughs> and babies, and then more babies, you know, and then and then funerals and death which is always inconvenient. And yet the community, um, I don't mean to um, in any way um, put you on the spot. But Rebecca told me uh, that her grandmother had passed away. And I delayed and I didn't let everybody know and I felt so bad and the day before when I knew that most of the men were looking at when we were going to pray I shot a quick note out and said you know Rebecca's grandmother has passed and I'm going to the funeral and I, and I hope you do too so many people showed up it just really made me feel proud to be in a, in a great community. So, talk about yourselves for a second, gee whiz. So who's going to the land next? <laughs> good answer, good answer. For real. Everybody's Actually, I'll bet I beat you. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just take it with you and then we'll just play it right together. Yeah, I'll really tell you <laughs> Andrea, in about, uh, in about uh, three or four years, will need a companion. Ben, I think uh, she's going to need a companion. 
Like Grace. Like same gender. Don't be acting like the church. I'm getting the mitzvah points here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Woo! All right, so I'm back. Thank you very much for that uh, that moment. Uh, and somebody else is back in Charlotte for a few days. Woo! Yay! Woo! And Aliyah to the Torah. And you did well. I was watching a little swoop of the hair thing while you were reading. It was cool. It was cool. Your mother was watching you too. It was neat. It was neat. He swooped and he didn't swoop. He's no longer in exile. He's no longer in exile, yes. Uh, he is moving down to Florida. Well, it's time to sing. Because it turns out that Josh Wright had a birthday. Yesterday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Josh. Happy birthday to you. Mazel tov! I have actually had no respect for golfers until I met Josh. <laughs> now he's going to be a longhorn. He is. Not only that. Aggie? No, not Aggie. No, no, no. UT. Um, he's actually going to be on the uh, amateur circuit. He's finishing his last two years. So watch that on uh, ESPN or whatever it is, and just look for a Joshua. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, looking for the caddy. There it is, the caddy, right? Uh, today is um, 26 of Nissan and the fifth day of next week will be Rosh Chodesh, um, where we'll uh, begin uh, the month of Iyar. Today is 11 days of the Omer, which is one week and four days. So before we, uh, before we get into Kedoshim, our portion for this week, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot in a second, so just adjust your hat and get this ready. Um, I like the hat, by the way. Um, time of year. I don't know if you noticed, but our extraordinarily competent cousin. With a baby. With a baby. Taylor. It's Taylor and the growth on his chest. I don't know if you noticed that at the beginning of the Amidah, or the Shemona Yisrael, the 18 benedictions, uh, Taylor skipped a line that we have been saying literally for months. But he knew that that line is only said from Shemini Yatzeret, which is the eighth day at the end of Tabernacles in the fall, until Pesach. And here we are after Pesach, so he did not read that line. God bless you. Me, being the new, is about to raise my hand and go, Wait a second, you missed the line! But he was right. This kicks off the springtime and the time of our redemption. So what you should be doing when you get home on Shabbat after our fortune discussion, and especially for those off weeks, is reading the Pirkei Avot. Because that's the tradition. We would be reading the Pirkei Avot and you'll read it through a couple of times. 
as, as we go through the rest of this season. So I want to encourage you. You read some of it, and some of it may appear pretty weird. You know, quite frankly. I love um, the weird parts. The weird parts get less weird and less weird every year, don't they? So, so it's cool. I can tell you that some of those parts, though, you can actually memorize and quote to other people, and they think you're very wise. I'm using that. It's cool. So that's, uh, that's this time. Now, I wonder um, if maybe somebody can uh, give us just a reason why we're counting. What is the deal? Why count? Why not <coughs> Why not just have another? I mean, all the other holidays, we just they appear on the calendar. No big deal. But Shavuot, we approach. Shavuot, we get ready for it. Shavuot comes to us, and we count it. You know, the day after the Passover, they ate the fruit of the land, and they started counting the Omer. Joshua chapter 5. We count on 16 Nisan, one day of the Omer. And if you know you're going to start counting on 16 Nisan, then you know for a fact that Shavuot is going to be, I think, 6 of Sivan. 7? 6 6 Sivan. Every year. You know, that date doesn't appear in the scripture anywhere. All the others do. But this one doesn't. He specifically kind of makes it like we don't know and wants us to count. So before he speaks, what have you got? Well, you said it already. I said it already? Yes. Just that the date isn't in. That's why we must count. Okay, cool. Give me give me some connection stuff. Anything you want? Well, I mean, it's connected to Passover. It's also connected, our redemption is connected to the giving of the Torah. Amen. Um, I think for us, maybe it should be a connection to Israel in a specific way. Um the first believers, they experienced the, uh, the horrendous experience at Passover that year when their master was, was killed, gave his own life. They experienced the joy of a resurrection. But then they counted with all Israel. I mean. And at the end of their count, uh, we have record in Acts chapter 2 of a, of a momentous occasion that we would all look back to and say, I wish that would happen again. And it's ironic, and I think it's very sad to me, that so many people that claim the faith of Messiah don't count with Israel and don't recognize that that's the only way that they would have known that's right. when they should be in Jerusalem Amen. to receive that gift. And so it's when we don't, when we choose to make up our own count, this is my own little pulpit here, when we choose to make up our own count, we're missing the boat. We're missing the reason for the count. I mean... It- it's a special privilege for me to give him the pulpit because it's always good. God bless you. It is good. Um, how do we know they counted the Omer? Give me two examples. Number one. Well, they were all there on the right day. Hello. Yeah. From all over the world. From all over the world. Second. Well, I just think of Acts where they say in 40 days when Messiah Precisely. Was. Which 40 days? How do they know he was on the planet for 40 days showing himself to 500 people or more? How do they know it was 40 days he was there? Because they're counting. And what's the third day? What's up with that? On the third day of the Omer, too. Okay. So, today is 11 days of the Omer. Amen? Amen. Holiness. 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 
I believe if you look at the scriptures and you look at all the red letters, don't look at Rick's Bible because it's all red letter. <laughs> if you look at the red letters and what the Messiah actually said, how are you? <laughs> I don't know if you know it, but nobody's tough as Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody get it. We can sing it, right? Nobody's tough as Jack. Nobody's tough as Jack. Yeah, Zorro, forget it. Okay. Um, It has nothing to do with the portion. It has absolutely nothing to do with the portion. I completely lost my book. Um, if you look at the red letters and you look at what Messiah said, I think you will find that the vast majority of his quotes come from either Deuteronomy, when he's being tempted, or when he's talking to the people. It comes from Kedoshim. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48. You don't have to flip to it. What does it say? You shall be holy or perfect, depending on your translation, because that sounds, that sounds familiar. I, I, I think I just read that. It's right here. You bet. And so it's right here. Well, also, you know, the specific portion we read today, you shall love your neighbor, that's also in Leviticus 19. Absolutely. Almost everything that he said came right out of this, this portion. So what I want to do is take this portion and have you bring it alive. Okay? Yes? Just before I get, get into the actual guts of it, what, what what's remarkable about Kiddushin is that it's, uh, that it's very, it's not ethereal, it's very practical. It's all, it's all maybe earthy. It's all about stuff that we deal with all the time. Yes. Uh, how we interact with one another or whatever else. And that actually sounds a lot like Matthew chapter 5, 6, and you 7. And, and, that, and, and it's, 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 it's Hasidic Judaism that says it's this earthy stuff that actually gives us the ethereal. It's actually from this stuff that we do every day actually elevates us in a way that we can appreciate the spiritual, which is exactly the point that Yeshua was making in the Sermon on the Mount, was that it's it, you can't say I'm spiritual and you know all this stuff if you don't do it. That's exactly and right. And it's the doing of the stuff actually that draws you into a deeper relationship, a spiritual relationship with both your brother and with God himself. I mean, I mean, you can, you can tell me you're a Christian all you want. Well, what am I going to look at? Works of fruit. Yeah, I'm, works, fruit, whatever you want to call it. Well, look at what you do. And, and here's where the rubber meets the road. This is what I'm doing. And, and I see it. And I, and I feel it. And I'm stopping on the road. I'm caring for this one. I'm doing this. And, and what's, what's the difference? It sets me apart from the guy next to me. But that's exactly what God said. This is what will set you apart. This is what will bring me glory. Because they will look at you doing this stuff, and they won't say, gosh, you're a nice guy. Have you met my daughter? No. They're going to look and go, this guy's got some God. What kind of God is it that gave them such awesome commandments? I want to know that God. That's the testimony. Hang on. Yes, ma'am. Well, um... A friend sent me the counting of the Omer before it happened this year, and, mm. um, and it, it was like, oh my gosh. I, I've really been studying it more this year, you know, what the day has to say, the little assignment, this exercise to go along with it, and 
it's just made it much more meaningful for me. And, and like Rick was saying, you know, it really does bring it down to earth. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes it very meaningful it and does. applicable to to our walk. Mm-hmm. Every year. But I never really connected with it until this year for some reason. Well, I mean, great. it's like I'd always get lost in it. Maybe everybody else has kept mm-hmm. it every year. No, no, everybody's exactly it. where you are, Gloria. But it is, it's been very meaningful. And it's from rabbinical, um, Absolutely. you know, the teaching. You bet. Good. Joshua. Well, I was thinking about this passage and talking about holiness. Um, holiness is the being other than, it's being different. And throughout this, this section, God has a lot of these commandments are, are um, we would say, weird. There's a couple Super of them here there, like, you know, don't steal. Like, don't okay, steal most people, you know, th- th- those are ones that people would agree with, generally speaking. <laughs> you know, but, um, but, like, the some of the commandments here, like, you know, don't eat the fruit until you're five. Um, don't bring them, don't shave your head. Yeah, don't, there's, certain <laughs> things, you know, there's certain things you can't do um, with, like, certain activities that most people think is normal. And it's interesting because holiness, then, as you said, is about glorifying God. It's like, God doesn't want you to just look like a nice pagan. That's hmm. not holiness. Holiness is duly following God's commandments. I mean, so that means that like, when you change the way that you eat, when you change the holidays you keep, it says keep my Sabbath is one of the very first things in this list. The way that you act during the week, what days you work, what days you don't work, you know, what um, activities you take place in, you know, things like telling the future and stuff like that. When you, when you put yourself outside of the norm for a lot of these things, it highlights what you're doing. I mean, I was telling Juliana just recently, um, going to work, I had a little bit of a walk from my, uh, where I parked my car to my, to my, uh, my job, and I've actually had a couple of people now um, see my keepa and just comment. They lived in Brooklyn before, they moved to Charlotte, and now yeah, they're like, like uh, I never see you guys anymore, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Use guys. You should say, we're everywhere. We're everywhere, that's right. But it's really funny how, like... You should join us. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting, because again, it's like, it, when you, the way that you dress, the way that you eat, your lifestyle then shows to whose you are. Amen. And so then, when you are that nice guy, quote-unquote, when you keep the other person-to-person commandments... They know why. Exactly right. So we were talking, uh, we're in a Bible study, all the managers at work, all the guy managers, and uh, we're going through a management uh, coaching book, and uh, came up that, well, I've been out of work a little bit lately for the holidays and stuff, and uh, one of the guys was like, I've got to become Jewish. I mean, you guys get all these days off. Yeah. But it was really interesting because part of that conversation was we were talking about how our COO is a Christian. And we, we were talking about how being a Christian comes with having to <coughs> have a certain lifestyle that everyone around you notices. It's not about saying we, you're a Christian. We, we believe that's true. Many sure. believers don't. Well, that's and, the difference. You and bet. I make a point like with, with our team, and, and my old boss who made that joke was quite aware that when you have certain conversations, it's not okay to be around. And it's really interesting when they start to see the different actions you take. Just in itself, you don't have to say anything about it. It's just your actions alone will bring about that thought-provoking. That's exactly right. Good. Yes, Jerry. Well, uh, one thing I kind of uh, came to me this year based on what holiness is and being holy of set-apart stuff is, you know, in today's society, when you hear you're holier than thou, holy, holier than thou means you're kind of uppity, you're kind of churchy, you're kind of arrogant, you know? I mean, that's that's the way I take it. Right. And so I kind of learned that really 
more that holy is to be set apart. And unholy doesn't necessarily mean sinful or bad. It only, it really, to me now, it means more just common. You're mm-hmm. almost kind of just like the world. So holy is set apart. Unholy, which I think the world kind of sees today as you're evil, you're sinful, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it kind of just set it apart. I mean, it kind of brought to my attention more of what holy, unholy truly means now. Yeah, the, the, the church has really kind of torqued the definitions out there to make them something they're really not. I mean, it's, uh, I, I like looking at the, the vessel that may have gotten, you know, somehow or another, it touched the altar. Whoa! This thing's staying here. You know, we're, not, we're not taking this home. It's part of the place now. You know, find a shelf spot, because it's not living. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, that's what they had to do. You know? Now, this is the 43rd pot this year. Where are we going to put this? Break <laughs> it. You know, and that kind of deal. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big thing. I got you over there. Hang on. I've got behind you. three behind me. Okay. I thought this was really good. The first comment I'd like to say is I don't always think holiness anyway is your outward. Holiness is who you are within. It's who you are. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's both, just, though. Oh, I you think have it's to both. have it, but I'm saying it can't be just one. You can't be I on agree. the outside. I agree. Totally on the inside, who knows what you're thinking and doing. That's exactly it's gotta right. Be, it's got to be together. And it's, the master talked about that with the Pharisees. He was very upset with yeah. the family folks, right? Mm-hmm. Who were who were doing the outward stuff, but inside yeah. there was no it's match. Whitewash right? supper. Good. Good. Whitewash so right. Yeah. So I thought this was really good by Ron Bond. Not yes. With an N. With an N. That's that's our guy. With an N. He's our guy. He's, he's yeah. our guy. Yeah. So it says that Ron Bond maintains the concept of holiness that it is not limited to the observance of any particular category of commandments. Rather, it is an admonition that one's approach to all aspects of life are governed by moderation. Moderation in that which is not permitted and which is permitted. And then it says here, it says someone who observes only the letter of the law can easily become, and then they have it in Hebrew here, a degenerate with the permission of the Torah. If such a person can observe technical requirements of commandments while surrendering to self-indulgence. But God demands more of obedience than that than just the letter of the law. Amen. The commandment to be holy tells us to sanctify yourself in what is permitted to you by refraining not only what is expressly forbidden, but keep in moderation also which is permitted. I mean, now I want you to know that my wife found exactly the same thing this Bell week. Allen, right? it. So I want you to read me again just the sentence that has the word degenerate in it so that they can hear that again. Because it's good, people. Listen. Okay, because it says, someone who observes only the letter of the law can easily become a degenerate with the permission of the Torah. It's a technical term. Yes. Are you just following the letter of the law? You can become a degenerate, and you've got the permission of the Torah to do it. It's exactly right. It's, it's exactly, exactly what Paul was saying. You bet. Good. It's not I think he's right. Yeah. I think it's the same person. Yeah. Okay, so we say Ramban. Ramban. Okay? So you have to worry about the end. Ramban. Ramban. Right? Okay, so we're good there. I got you. So, bam, 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 bam. Really? Sorry. Right. I was just going to make the comment that. Is it pertains to holiness? How it makes so much sense uh, within the community setting, 
the one thing that stands out to me in this chapter is uh, not <coughs> to, uh, to curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. Amen. And being somebody with a physical disability and being able to have someone to come pick me up so I can worship with all of you Amen. is very important to me. So I wanted to give a public thank you to everyone. It's our pleasure. And the young men that do that should be should be very pleased that they are doing a good and high work. It's not seen by anybody but you, Ryan. That's right. And God. It's, it's happening behind the scenes. And uh, uh, the, uh, the guys who make sure that that happens, um, I'm not going to embarrass you. Um, I am amazingly grateful. Senor. Um, one comment that I read. Uh, Brian, can you hear this guy? Is he talking? I can't hear him. Can you hear him? Not really. No, neither. <laughs> you should always have to lean forward when a sage speaks. <laughs> <laughs> The statement that the Parsha starts with, you shall be holy, for I am holy, uh, uh, for holy am I, uh, I don't know your God. And that statement, you shall be holy, you will be holy, is repeated several times in the portion. Uh, there was an interesting comment from uh, in the Orachaim Orcha, where <clears throat> he, the, the Rabbi Chaim was basically saying that there's a... Um, yeah, this is generally understood, and rightly so, as you know, an imperative, right? You, you, you must, must, you must be holy, right? But he had a different take on it too, which was more of a, almost more of a prophetic thing or a promise. In other words, God is saying, "You will be holy, and I'm going to see to it that you that are. you will be holy, That's right?" That's so that it's almost it's it's likened to you know where uh, the Torah tells us to. Um, that we should have our hearts circumcised. Right. And in one place it says, you should circumcise your heart. Your own heart. And then in the other reference, it says, I, Hashem, will circumcise your heart. So it's kind of a similar idea that, that yes, there are these specific things that we should do to maintain holiness. But at the end of the day, Hashem will see Amen. to it that he has a people who are holy. That's exactly right. And it's, it exactly. will ultimately be his working that works the holiness in, in okay. us. And you, and you see the same thing in Paul's writings. Not surprisingly, an Orthodox Jew writes, you need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You need to do that. And at the same time, out of the other side of his mouth, he's saying, God will make you yep. sanctified. Absolutely. Good. Samuel. Uh, I'd like to step back and look at the macro with a bigger picture and I see all the commandments here have to do with holiness like we were talking about being set apart and how the Israel, the reason that Israel was called to be set apart is so that Israel as a people would be a light that would right. draw the nations to yeah. itself right? Amen. And so the attitude was always meant to be that we want to see the nations come, you know see the, the Gentiles come so I find it interesting that at the end of uh, chapter 20 uh, chapter 19, I mean, yeah, in the chapter 19, verse um, 32, no, I'm sorry, 33, it goes through all these commandments about how to be holy, but then it goes right to 
When a proselyte dwells among you in your land, do not taunt him. The proselyte who dwells with you, who, who sojourns with you, shall be like a native among you, and you shall love him like yourself, for you are aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And then it goes right into, you shall not commit perversion and justice in measures of length, weight, or volume. Have correct scales, correct weights, correct dry measures, and correct liquid measures. And, you know, you kind of wonder if that was kind of related to the two, that those who were the, the nations of Gentiles, you know, there would be a tendency to, you know, maybe not be as just with them, because, you know, they're, they're Gentiles. So what, you know, sure. They're neither here nor there. Yeah. They're not in the kingdom to come. They're not and they probably live in town anyway, so who right. really cares? So who cares? So th this is like very, um, I mean, this is telling of Hashem's heart, you know, that he's, he wanted the nations to come, you know, he wanted them to be a part and to treat the sojourner as a, as a part. Yeah, and we saw earlier where when he mentions the sojourner, he's like, remember you were a sojourner in Egypt. Exactly. Come on now. Well, Remember what it was like. We see that, I mean, Hashem's word is, is timeless, right? So mm -hmm. he, he knew it when he spoke to us. He knew everything that would happen and everything. And we see that there's been things added. And it was to, we, you know, in, the, in other words, we are called to be holy. We are called to remain pure. And there was a, a, a an essence that we don't want to touch the unclean. But now the unclean started to become you know, the, you can't even eat with the Gentile, you can't go in their house. You Big know. problem there. You know, Big so, problem there. so that's where yes. Hashem had to come in and tell Peter, yeah. don't call what I've made clean, right. you know, unclean. So exactly. that's what this yeah. is saying here, is, is let them sojourn with you. Don't, don't do this. You, you are to be holy, but this is not, this is not unholiness to sojourn with you. Exactly. And we, and we see previously with the Pesach, right? You know, if the sojourner with you wants to keep the Pesach, yeah. Just make sure he's circumcised yep. and let him join in. Right? Amen. Good. Um, okay, I got you. So before I lose track and the wine <coughs> kicks in, I've got you, then you, then you. But before the three of you was Lori. Um, <laughs> I was thinking of what Miss Grupp had said about. Um, Too far along ago? <laughs> so, Jack. <Okay. laughs> and I thought of. Shaul's writings, he yes. says that um, he who began a good work in you will be faithful will to complete it. Yeah, it's the same deal <coughs> where you know we've got this this dichotomy. He's gonna do it, and we're gonna do it. Yeah. So we're working together with God on a work, and that work is us. Amen. And, and the worlds. I mean, but if we if we if we approach the salvation thing like Bam! <laughs> Got the fire insurance. Live like hell. <laughs> what? Where did that come from? But to, to say he accepts he accepts me as I am, and now he will make me into the guy that I respect, and he will do that, and I want him to, and I'm going to work with him to become that holy man. What a what a completely different walk of faith. I mean, that's cool. I am always amazed at the analogy that's made when someone says that the Bible in general, or you can even say it just as specifically as the Torah, is a love letter. Oh yeah, it's like God's love letter. And and so if you use that perspective, 
and you kind of step back and see what is God's relationship to the children of Israel right now, is he is preparing to espouse them to him. Yes. And when you start to begin, to, cool. when you begin to look at the process, yeah. you know, the purification, they came through the mikvah, they had, you know, brought them out, of, uh, he had redeemed them, and, and just... If you look at these, and um, a huge nod to Mr. Amen. Spurlock's... Amen, that's what I was thinking about, yeah. A huge nod to Mr. Spurlock's um, language of the bridegroom. Um, yes, someone was paying attention. <laughs> it was, it was um, to, me that, to me, that's very impactful. Yeah. And you just really realize the role and what, what's and really going on here. And the relationship. Exactly. That's good. That's good. I like it. And, and it, it speaks to this... <laughs> that the rapture happened. Um, it speaks to what Lori was talking about. With with a, it's not just me trying to be holy. It's not just God making me holy. Yes. But it's this relationship of working together Mutual. toward that end. And it's not unlike the bride and groom drawing near to that time. Oh, that's cool. I like. It. Thank you. Great. Colby. I was just thinking about my our, our relationships with like the Jewish people, and the the, the word tells tells them not to be I guess mean you know with the word here to us like as sojourners in their land because of the way they were in Egypt. So my first thought is like, well, if, if the Jews like did you guys treat us like crap in Egypt? And they like, it's like this is not a cush lifestyle. Yeah. But in the same cush lifestyle. <laughs> 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 That's exactly right. Because it's really his road, right? It's not a road that they're defining on their own. That's exactly right. Uh, you're almost up. Don't forget it. Yes, sir. Uh, it's interesting, too, because, I mean, one perspective you could have, like, reading through all these laws is, you know, however many there are, 79 or whatever. Like, you could say, these are 79 opportunities, or 79 reasons why, like, we're better than the pagans, right? Like, okay. That could be a perspective yeah. that you would yeah. take. Yeah. But it's cool because Peter, then, in First Peter, meant, he ties in the, the quote that is recurring throughout, no, be holy for, for I am right. holy. And he says, like, the only reason that's even possible for you is because you've been redeemed by the blood of Messiah. That's true. Which is like really cool because that's the humbling statement there. It's not like we do all these things therefore we're better. It's like we do all these things because God first loved us. And it keeps us humble. Yeah. I, love it when it. I love it when you're bringing those Presbyterian overtones. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you don't get into the supersessions, it's good. <laughs> good stuff. But you're right. You're exactly right. There, there shouldn't be a haughtiness about our walk. Right. If anything, it should be, well, he chose them I'm an afterthought. I've been adopted into that family. And you know what? He's going to treat me just like his own sons. He's going to make me holy too. And I'm going to work all the harder to be holy for him. That's cool. That should give you a reason for your sanctification, a motivation for your sanctification, and make you look forward to your justification and glory. Amen. Amen. 
and that's kind of what I was mentioning. <laughs> I took that time. I took that time. Yeah, other times that uh, this is be holy, or I am holy, or uh, I am Adonai your God. What I can tell most often is in the plural, right? I am the Lord, your God. Y'all. Yeah, so it's not, whereas maybe in the, the past, um, this time I was just struck by how it's like, a, mm. to me, I guess, just where I am at, it's got that community flavor here. Yeah. I've set you apart, y'all apart. Oh, yeah. And <coughs> so <coughs> as uh, as one who has, uh, you know, wanting to put the, the yoke of the Torah on, I'm, I'm, I'm being, I need to be like them. I can't necessarily create another group over here. That's right. Right. Mm. Oh, I like it. Right. Yeah. That's great. It's it's not looking at him and saying, you guys need to be holy. You're... Yeah. I got it. I'm taking it. I like that. That's, that's good. I also like that you use the phrase that the Talmud uses of taking on the yoke of the Torah, um, which we don't hear often. It's, it's normally like, yeah, well, we practice Judaism. Oh, all those laws. And it's like it's a bad thing. You know, and, and it's it's almost like you've got the master standing there with this yoke and he's got, you know, one guy in there already and just looking for another guy to step up, you know, like well I'll take that spot, you know. Kind of deal. Yes. Um thinking about things you see for the first time, mm. um, which is always kind of cool, especially in a chapter like this you've read many times. Um, I was really struck this year by reading um, in verse eleven. Um, at the end of verse 11 it says you shall not lie to one another mm. and it was interesting how explicit that is because I, I like you read the Ten Commandments and it says you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor and I think it's very easy to kind of then start like justifying things so, like well telling a false falsehood is not bad as long as it's um, as long as it's beneficial to somebody else you know it's like no, it's, it's not in the court of law right? I mean, come it's on. not just to protect yeah. myself I'm trying to help somebody else out or I'm trying to make them feel better or I'm trying to whatever and I think about you know I, I really feel like from reading this and thinking about like the Proverbs talks about honesty and truthfulness and, and thinking that I, I think I need to be a lot more careful. You know, it's kind of like the old saying: if you have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. It's like there are times when um, you can you can highlight good things and ignore bad things, but at the same time, it's like we I think I think we are called to a level of like honesty with each other that makes. Um, that is different. It's not. It's not enough to simply be like, "Well, I'm honest," when you know it's a good thing, you know, whatever or you know, whatever else. But yeah, like to be, but to be to be a little lifestyle yeah. that is like that, so that you are more transparent. Not to say that I wear my heart on my sleeve and everyone knows when I'm in a bad mood, but to be like to be the kind of person where it's like they they never they're not like on eggshells. Like I don't really know where I stand exactly with him because he never tells me what he thinks. Right. That transparency thing is incredible. Um, on, on our timeline, uh, as the uh, people of God are leaving Babylon and populating you know, uh, Eastern Europe and coming across the top of uh, Africa and getting into uh, Portugal and Spain and, and ending up with our Sephardi and uh, Ashkenazi uh, groupings, uh, it was at that time that the last Gaon, the last Torah and Talmud genius, uh, Rabbi Gershom, uh, put out an edict to the people of God. And in essence, the bottom line was, you need to be people of such integrity that even the Goyim will trust you. And you know what? They took what he said to heart, and it changed the course of history, 
Because if you needed to send a dispatch in Europe from one king to another, from one emissary to another, from one ambassador and so forth, it was sent by a Jew. Because a Jew was the only man on the planet who would not open another man's mail, would not read it. It wasn't his. The level of integrity was known far and wide. Now, we still killed them. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, but the integrity was was ingrained, and they got it. Peter, I skipped you, and I beg your pardon, son. Did, did you? Is it? It's zero. No. My own son <laughs> at the back of the bus. <laughs> I was wondering if maybe you could answer this, uh, Joseph, just for those of us that are not, you know, from here, from High Point, but, you know, I would say the majority here are from non-Jewish background and are taking this upon our, you know, ourselves yes. over the years. What has been, for this congregation, kind of the motivation to take the work upon yourself? In other words, we all come from, like, Christianity and stuff. But what motivated just, you know, be good to hear what, yeah. what, what's the history. Just as an encouragement. Yeah, the history of Okay, it. so um, so first let me say that uh, we are very sensitive uh, to the fact that anyone may be actually literally Jewish. Um, and I try and discount that as often as I can uh, because you get some, some wild cards that come in, you know, and, and they think you're Jewish because they're keeping the Torah. You know, God bless them. Um, but we don't count that. Um, we've, we've got the whole paternity suit going, you know, and you know who knows? The Spurlocks may actually be Cohen's. Well, I, I don't know. You know um, but until we know, and until they, you know, until they, until they know for sure, you know, we treat them just like Gentiles, which means we lift them up. Yes, not put them down. Um, treat us fairly. That's, yeah, that's right. Exactly. There you go. You know. Um, so, I I would say, even Mary Ann, yeah. Um, I only pick on her because there's a lot of people in the room and she's not into a lot of people and I just wanted everybody to look at her so she goes, ah! yeah. hey, um, God bless Mary. She's, she's, she's been the wild card that to me has been you know, the bellwether of how we're doing. Right? So, so Mary Ann showed up about a year ago and, and she announced when it was, had been a year, it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, Mary Ann came in and was just an open book. She's like, I think this is right. I think this is what we're supposed to do. So I'm slowly going to methodically go through and figure out what to do. And, and she's been a tremendous encouragement to me. And I think to almost everybody here. She comes. Her husband comes from time to time. And she's transparent. She wants to know, why are we doing that? I mean, I mean, I get, you know, like the, the, the tearing of the toilet paper stuff. We're not there yet. But she wants to know. And I think Marianne represents exactly where everybody in this room has been at or is actually at, right? Because it doesn't matter whether she's carrying the toilet paper and I am, or I'm not and she is. It doesn't matter. The bottom line is we all come from this perspective. We grew up and inherited lies from our fathers. That doesn't mean our fathers are liars. It just means that they also had been misled. And now we come to this, and we're all on the same sheet of music. 
Some of us are a little better with the Hebrew than other people. Some of us, like me, are singing some of these songs, and I'm like, can somebody tell me what word he started on? Because I can't find it. <laughs> they got one in there that you got, you and your son. I mean, you just, just start singing. And I'm like, I know it's at the bottom end of this paragraph, but God help me, I can't find it. <laughs> and by the end, you know, they am rude. And I'm like, oh, I'm eight, I got it. Yeah. Wait, watch, I'll show you after class. Yeah, thank you. Gee, wait. But it is so cool to be in the men's class. And, you know, and I, 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 I'll talk about a woman's class later, but for a men's class, I'm a men's guy, right? You know, this has been my life since I met my wife. She knows. I, I mean, I, I want to minister to men. To sit down with a whole lot of guys that are a whole lot younger than me who have the same fire and passion and just want to not embarrass God which I think is, is the primary I'm, guys if I'm wrong you jump in right they don't want to embarrass God I don't think they're really concerned about themselves it's that God chose them to be part of the family and they want to learn it so Greg Upham gets in there and he's starting to teach these stupid Gentiles like me that when you're carrying a real tourist girl it doesn't weigh 2 pounds it weighs close to 20 and so when they hand it to you, sit down, roll it off the edge of the table, and this is how we dress it and undress it. Or from the, from the knowledge perspective, Rick gets up and teaches us, this is how you should be thinking in a Hebrew mindset, not a Greek mindset. And you're, you're leaning this way because that's what you were taught. Look at it this way. You know, and you twerk your head around and look at it a different way, and it brings a smile to your face, and you go, well, gosh. I thought I had this Christianity thing down. But there's still more to learn. And to me, that has been the greatest blessing in my walk as a believer, is to bump into these folks Amen. and realize they're learning like me. You know? I can get up and do the chazen part, and whether I can sing the Hebrew right or not, everybody's just there because they're all going to pray those prayers. Whether they're in this room together with us or they're home, they're going to pray it. And I feel so comfortable being myself and learning some of those things for the very first time and realizing that I could use what's written there and become a degenerate. But if I'm surrounding myself with men who actually want to be better for the sake of God and his reputation, it's got to be the coolest thing. That, that I could do. And you know what, Samuel? Other people around the planet see it. And that's why I have more and more watching online as you do and Don does. I understand, and I get it. And, you know, driving an hour and 40 minutes just to get here is a tough deal. But, you know, we got, we got people in Trinidad and Tobago, Colorado, California, Washington State, and you name it. And it's, it's such a blessing to know that we're, someday, someday, we may... Yeah, halfway around the end, Gastonia, with, with no teeth. People with no teeth. Here's the dynamic that I don't know if you realize you have. So as, as someone who's 
coming in from outside and hopefully you know it'll be more with you guys but um, I want to share this because you might not even see it sometimes we don't see ourselves but in, in many of the messianic circles the the way the setup has been the rabbis have brought in the, the thought pattern from Christianity and the rabbi is the end-all be-all in the messianic congregation and it really stunts the growth of people yeah. in there, yeah. and you guys are, you know, each... We've got an idiot standing up there. Well, I, I no, get it. I'm saying each of, each of the men here are taking the, the you know, the responsibility to, to, to study these, you know, Samadim. Well, you've seen in, in our, our 39 Melakot stuff, yes, yes. right? The whole idea is, it isn't me, and it isn't Rick, and it isn't Greg. It's all the guys are teaching it, and everybody's just taking a piece of it, you know? And, and I, I just praise God for that. And, and Samuel, you've seen it, and, and I praise God for you, and for John, and, and watching, you know, and, and participating as much as you can. And uh, I, I can tell you that as far as questions to Menotora, um, these guys are the ones that are, are bringing the questions and bringing the comments during the class, so it's, it's very cool. Right. Uh, well, in this portion, actually, it, it would be easy, I think, at times when you read things that are very cut and dry, don't lie to your, you know, to your fellow uh, Israelite, things like that. You know, we want to find something novel. Uh, all, I think all human beings are curious, and we look for the novel. And I think that sometimes people are drawn to Messianic Judaism because it's different, uh, and because it has new insights. And we need to resist that. We need to resist that tendency of trying to find something novel. Right. And even though we're all learning and wanting to learn is a good thing, God willing will never stop learning. I mean. and, and this is why the sages where they met was not called the place of established learning. It wasn't the, it wasn't the library where it was put on a shelf. Um, which is, you know, it's the cold western model is there's people that know it all. And you go and ask them questions. Right, and they wrote yeah. the books. And that, and the sages, it wasn't that way. Where they met was called the place of the of learning. It was an academy. Right. They went to study. We never stopped studying. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's exactly right. Yeah, I'm. I'm in a good place. Let me tell you, I'm in a good place. Um, thank you for for, for bringing it up, Sam. Um, I think that. Uh, God has blessed us. I, I, I'm reminded uh, actually of what uh, Greg uh, Upham was, was saying to me recently. I, I actually think it was last Tuesday night. You know, but he's like, these guys are just too young. They don't get it. They don't understand what a blessing we have. Mm -hmm. And what, what a, a tremendous opportunity it is to be in a situation like this. Um, you guys don't get the emails. You, you don't talk to the people that are on the other side of the blue light they're desperate they have nobody there's nowhere to go you know and that's why I'm so thrilled to have these guys down here from Canada where I mean I'm thrilled this guy and his family and this guy and his family drove an hour and 40 minutes to get here where the vast majority of Torah North to get anywhere for Shabbat is a two-hour journey minimum and that's if they got no snow <laughs> yeah, I mean, who? Which is July That's, that's, that's right. <laughs> Two weeks out of the year. You know, what are you going to do? <laughs> Holy cow. 
<laughs> I, I, it was actually we're, we're, we're met here to pray on one of the Yom Tovim. I don't remember which one it was. But I got this text from David, you know, and it's, and it's a white Pesach. And he's, I mean, it's covered with snow, deep snow. Let me tell you, I got the text to show you if you want to see it. But, you know. And this was a late Pesach. Yeah, right? So, we, we guys, we really have it easy. Um, so let's, let's, let's take the blessing. So, uh, thank you. That was great. So here's, here's my thought on Kedoshim. When I read through this portion, I say to myself, you know, I've talked to some squirrely, slippery theologians in my day. And I've argued with a lot of them. I just don't see how you can possibly squirm your way out of anything in here. This is so clean, cut, dried, it's right there. I mean, Joshua brought up that one there. Don't, don't lie to your fellow. Okay, so the whole false witness thing, I mean, lie is, is well, that's, I mean, that's Harris Teeter talk, right? I'm online at Harris Teeter, and that's where I do most of my witnessing. I don't know about you guys, but that's where I do mine, you know? Because I'm just standing there, and there's, maybe there's some strings hanging out. i got to keep it on or something like that. Hey, I know Pesach's coming up. Oh, Passover's coming up, right? Actually, we're in the middle of Passover. Thank you. You yeah. missed this, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Still going to buy those cookies? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's the Harris Theater conversations, I think, that, that, that come alive. And here, in Leviticus 19... It's just regular talk. There's nothing special. It's not theological. And it certainly doesn't appear to have any kind of time frame associated with it. Oh, well, that was then. This is now. Homosexuality was an abomination to God then. But either God's changed or the rules changed or something's different because it's not an abomination anymore. Hello? We went to Banana Republic two nights ago. My wife is gone. Um, and... I walked in to the mall, found my wife sitting outside Banana Republic. She looked good, too. <laughs> she, looked like one of the she attracted my eye. I mean, that, that's the part I liked. So uh, I walked up, she stood up, and, and she said, uh, I, I already went into the store, and I found the pants that I think you're going to like. I'm wearing them now. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's a linen blend. And, uh, yeah. Um, so she said, uh, so we, we can go right there and get those. She said, but I, I just want to warn you that the, uh, the sales guy is a homosexual. Now, Maybe a warning's not necessary for you. <laughs> but it is for me. It was everything I could do to not look him in the eye and say, do you not even want to make it appear that you've got some kind of masculinity? <laughs> I can't stand that. And it has nothing to do with him. At all. It has to do with us. It has to do with our culture. I mean, there's only four or five guys here that are my age. When we were kids, 
homosexuality was aberrant behavior. It, it was, was wrong. That way in the books too, the American Psychiatric Association. That's right. They only recently, only recently changed it and said, "Well, I guess it must be okay, yeah, yeah. since there's at least half a percent of our country that's homosexual." Wow. Hello. <coughs> it's less than a half percent. So, I, I've got a problem with that. There is a small person near my shoe. <laughs> Praise Bite God. The Bite the electrical wire, sweetie. Bite the electrical wire. That's no, good. No. Yeah. So, there we go. So, there, there you go. Um, Greg, please. Save me from my tirade against homosexualities. Uh, yes, thank you very much. Although there is a connection. The verse... Uh, verse 14, you shall not curse the deaf, and you shall not place a stumbling block before the blind. You shall fear your God, I am Hashem. Um, you know, when I read that verse, it, it brought back um, Andrea's bat mitzvah. Mm -hmm. and those of you who are there will remember that we had a guest, Troy Mitchell, who is blind. And, he, and we were you know, Troy, I spent a fair amount of time that weekend with Troy. By the way, his new album is coming out in a week or two. Outstanding. Step up there. Step up. Uh, but I remember when I had uh, contacted Troy and he agreed to come and all that, I remember thinking about this verse. Because how often do you have an opportunity where you're actually around somebody who's physically blind. You got a blind guy. Where I have to be sure. Watch for the stumbling block. To not put a stumbling yeah. block before him, right? So I, rem I remember that as I was reading that this. I remember you know, just thinking about that when Troy was here um, because he's physically blind. But then as I was doing some study. Um, if, I, if I know where you're going, you guys need to listen up now. This is going to be pretty cool. Hazal say mm. that the concept of not putting a stumbling block before the blind does not just is not limited to just those who are physically blind. Mm. Mm -hmm. But what it what what they understand it to mean is you cannot if you know something is wrong or unethical or something but somebody else doesn't know that. They're blind to what is sin or not sin or what is you cannot um, do something intentionally that would cause them to violate the Torah, whether they're Torah observant or not. I mean, you, you can't, you cannot uh, intentionally do something right. that would cause somebody who is unaware i.e. blind to um, the ethics or the morals or the uh, or the Torah standard of a situation you cannot contribute to them violating that and that was that takes that phrase which again we tend to read these literally which is fine I mean you, we should read them literally but as is often the case there's there's a lot more layers to the onion Amen. you know and Amen. It, it takes it up a whole other you betcha. And it's no consequence that we see often in Yeshua. What is he doing? He's healing the deaf and restoring sight to the blind. 
Mm -hmm. Because it's connected not just to the physical um, disability, but it's also connected to a spiritual impediment. Amen. So. I remember when my daughter Juliana uh, got, uh, before she got married, she was uh, trying to spend some time with many friends and so forth. And, and she's a sociable kind of person and, and married a sociable kind of guy. And uh, I, re I can recall one discussion at the table. She was, she was distra distraught and uh, looking for counsel. Right about now, she's like, what in the world is he going to say? <laughs> and I recall that she was going to be buying her friends lunch. So her question was, well, parents, since we eat kosher, how, how is it that I would buy the pork sandwich for my friend? I just don't think I can do that. So if I've taken the uh, bull by the horns, as it were, and invited them to lunch, and I'm going to be buying lunch, do I, do I tell them ahead of time, hey, let's have lunch? By the way, you can't buy anything non-kosher. <laughs> or do I just wait and see if they order non-kosher, knowing how I, how I understand the scriptures? Or do, you know, and then wait. Well, you have a bunch of Glibermans. Or, yeah, you know. <laughs> and then it's, you know, all bets are off, right? So it, it comes down to a, a similar kind of thing. When the Jehovah's Witnesses knock on the door, and you go, ha, ha, no, bam, and close the door. Did you just lose an opportunity? I think so. <coughs> I think you should. I think you should open the door, and you should step outside. Don't come in. And you should get a, <laughs> And you should bring a chair with you. And you should sit down and make yourself comfortable while they're standing in the sun. And you should. You should ask them. All right, what do you got? Bring it on. I think that's the best thing that you could do for them. I got you next. You're first. Oh, uh, we were on the topic before of just things that we had seen first in like this week or yes. this, uh, this particular portion. One of the things that stood out to me was it was I don't know if Abraham Joshua Heschel was thinking of this first when he said this, but one of his quotes was, "Few are guilty, but all are responsible." And it made me think of this particular passage where you you cannot even allow like you can't hide your eyes from the guy who's sinning and offering his children up to Molech. Like you you have to do something or do God something. will concentrate his attention That's on right. you. That's right. And it mentions several other times about like how some of these defile the actual land, yeah. which is that, again like communal type of consequences for individual sin, but that was just an That's good. Thing there. That's good. I like that. Yeah. Abraham Joshua Heschel wrote the book Great Man. The Sabbath. Right? A little tiny deal. Extraordinary. Concept. God created a sanctuary in time. That's neat. Uh, just to bounce off the don't put a stumbling block in front of the blind person. You know, first, yeah. Those are, it's actually slightly different if you consider the same spiritual application, don't curse the death. It's like, you're not going to, the deaf person can't hear you cursing. They don't know that anything bad, they don't know that you intended any harm to them at all. And so it's that same, that same notion that um, sometimes uh, we need to be 
proactive in the way that we bless people that don't believe uh, in ways that will be beneficial to them, as opposed to just Tell writing me. them off. Tell me. On the, on the just on the previous, and I know some of you probably did this, so if you did, I, I'm sorry to say this, but we for a long time we'd say, well, what do we do with all our comments? Should we just like take the loaf of bread to our neighbor or whatever else? And we've decided we don't ever want to do that. We don't want to give them. Even though it's hard to throw food away, yes. it's like giving it to someone else is actually probably not the thing you should do. Let me give you my sin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, I understand. I'm just a blessing. Yeah. But during during unleavened bread, of course, we would not want to be eating it. And picking it out of our house, it seems to be wasteful to throw away. And yet, um, we and and I think that in a way, in a, and this is an encouragement to you if, you, if you choose to throw it away as opposed to give it to your neighbor, what what you're doing in a way is you are in the same way that you would. When you don't curse a deaf person, you're blessing them in a positive way. Your neighbors don't know you didn't bring them bread, but but you've blessed them in a way because you've because you've not given them that opportunity to sin. I mean, I mean, that's, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. And if your bride is as uh, conscientious as mine, you end up with like a Ziploc baggie I know. of come at. Janet has it perfectly timed. Oh yeah, it's unbelievable. So many hands. So you next. Okay. You are next. That's not a question. That's a statement. Thank you. To that statement, actually, also, too, um, I was thinking of in Matthew 5, where Yeshua says, you know, I didn't come to destroy the law of the prophets. Da, 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 da. Um, whoever abolishes will be called least in the kingdom, but whoever doesn't teaches them will be called great. And so I think I use. Matthew 5, 17 and 18. I like yes. to yes. think of that yep. as in, in the Comex example, too, of like, I want to teach. How many? these things yeah. too. Like when I had, when I was um, teaching, I would have like a loaf of bread left over and I was like, okay, I can't eat this. So I, I mean, I, today's the last day to have leaven. So I bring it to my students. So if you have to eat it during lunch, because it's Passover tonight, we can't have leaven. So. Good. Beforehand. Beforehand. Help yeah. me finish this. What a great right. example. That's super. I love it. Yeah. Can't do it every year. Did I miss I you? I did miss you. Yeah. I don't know if you missed me or not. I think I missed, I missed you. you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I missed so, you too. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, then I got you. And then... Uh, you had me like 25 minutes ago. Uh, I try and teach you... I want you to know that I've taken Taylor under my wing. You watch him. He is. He is. And that's Peter? He is, and he will be a great man of God. You look right over there, that man right there. When this man reads the Torah, I believe it. Um, just picking up on the Abraham Joshua Heschel concept, it's interesting because we have uh, verse three: uh, "Your mother and father shall you revere, and my Sabbath shall you observe." And then so that was Sabbaths plural, plural, correct? Yes, correct. And then, uh, and then later we have um, a statement, and I just lost it. Oh, here it is verse 30 My Sabbaths shall you observe, and my sanctuary shall you revere. Mm. So, Shabbat and the, and, and, the, and the Yom Tovim, Yom Yamim Tovim, are. are a sanctuary in time, as yes. the yes. good rabbi has, has so eloquently described it. But the sanctuary, the temple, the Beit Hamikdash, is a sanctuary in space, in 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 Here. physical, physical space, yeah. right? And it's interesting that in 
this portion, you know, he brings that up. You're, you are to, uh, to, to keep and revere both of them. Yeah. You know. So yeah, that's cool. That's nice. I like. It. Yeah. Hang on now. It's, cool. hang, it's, right, hang. There. it's right there. Yeah. Well, that's probably where he gets a lot of this. Stuff. Don't <laughs> no, give that, it up. That's good because you more. said about the sanctuary you were revere, mm-hmm. and, and also says here, and your mother and father shall you revere. He even goes. God bless out. you. Tell my children. It's, it's <laughs> that's good. They're really good at reference. it, but you know they can always use a reminder. Gary. I'm going to read some other verses. Okay. And uh, 1923 through 25, when you come to the land and plant any kind of tree for food, then you must yeah. regard as fruit as forbidden. Three years shall be forbidden to you. It must not be eaten. And in the fourth year, all of its fruit shall be holy and offering praise to the Lord. But in the fifth year, you may eat of its fruit to increase its yield for you. Mm-hmm. I am the Lord your God. So, FFOZ, Shadows of Messiah, did a great messianic thing here. It may be far reached, but I thought it was really cool. And you may have talked about before. But I know growing up somewhat on a farm, whenever we would grow something, plant it and grow it, we would watch it and we would study it and sure. tell the time. Yeah. So they taught they acted they brought the analogy of God planted Messiah in the land for three years for his disciples to right. study, look at um, take all in. Yeah. And he produced much fruit. And produced much fruit. In the fourth year, they uh, worshiped or worshiped and taught in the temple. And I mean, you guys may be able to correct me here some of this. And then the fifth, and then the fifth year, it says, uh, "You may eat and increase its yield for you." They went out and started producing. So I thought that was a tremendous messianic cool. message yeah. in those three verses. I like it. Yeah. 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 Samuel. Um, I wanted to come back because we were talking about the commandments here and be holy and everything and you brought something up and just I want to give a little bit different perspective you talked about the homosexual well we saw a um, episode a uh, long time ago by Ray Comfort who happens to be Jewish absolutely yeah. I didn't know he was Jewish is that right yes, he is. Yeah. son of a gun <laughs> he's doing, he's doing take the way, hands of the law yeah he's doing the way of the master yeah. and going out yeah. you know and he had this group going out and they met this uh Person. And actually, I think my daughter might know the story a little bit better. Can you mind sharing? Step yeah. up now. Come on. Come on. We never get to hear you talk. Come on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll step at home. I'm just shy. <laughs> uh, no, they, they were speaking to a young lady, and they asked her the question. And one of the questions, of course, is, have you ever lusted after? Sure. And she said, well, no, not ever after a man. And he kind of looked at her like, yeah, right. And she said, I, you know, I'm a lesbian. And... Uh, so it's a talk. homosexual female. Yes. Folks in Gastonia and Greg, just to make sure. <laughs> so, uh, and they, so anyway, they were talking to her, and, um, you know, she was saying, well, you know. I was born this way. No, no. She oh. said, do you eat pork? Oh. No. And he yeah. said, well, yes, I do. She goes, well, do you know the Torah? She goes, I am Jewish. She says, you know the Torah says not to do that. And he said, yes, I do. But when I knew the law, she was when I done mine. Bam! And she won it, and she walked away. And she and she, and she won. She did. Because he gave up the high ground. Yeah. Because now the Torah is not timeless. Because holiness. That's, That's it. The Larry, they're the Larry King interview. Yeah, yeah, the Larry King interview. Same deal. Excellent. Yeah. Um, you know, Ray Comfort's stuff is good. Very good. You know, I I was uh, I was with it. Uh, church uh, with Scott Martin. You know Scott Martin in our community. 
And church, uh, Scott and I were, were elders in this church, and we decided that evangelism was an important part of our faith, and we needed to evangelize. We needed to share our faith. So, you know Scott. I mean, he's like Mr. Numbers, right? I mean, he's like, doo -doo 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 -doo, and dial it in. So he looks at me, and he goes, well, when would we find most of the non-believers in one place? <laughs> and, I, and, it, and the answer is at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. <laughs> They're not the ones going to church. They're the ones that aren't going to church. Because they are the ones who blatantly will tell you. They're not churchgoers. They're not Christians. They don't care. So we looked at the Sweet Union Flea Market down 74. And 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, there's a lot of people there. So we rented a table. Canceled Sunday morning worship service and rented a table and put Ray Comfort's tracks all over the place and had a really large man hold up an enormous Ray Comfort $20 bill. We've got real money here! Real money! And he would stand in the aisle to slow the pagan down. And if they stopped and looked and laughed, Scott Martin would walk over and go, you know what? I've got a real $100 bill right here. And you can have it. No strings attached. No problem. If you can just pass the good test. Would you like to take the good test? Come on over here. And move him out of the way, and he start giving the good test. The next big biker that shows up, I'm grabbing his arm. Hey there! He goes, what are you doing, son? <laughs> no, I, I pull out a $100 bill, which, God's honest truth, I actually had to borrow at that time from Scott Martin. <laughs> Scott, I don't know what $100 bill is. <laughs> I'm going to need that back. <laughs> <laughs> so I did the same thing. And I tell you what, Ray Comfort's stuff works. So I'm going to give you the good test. Maybe you want to smell that. Have you ever lost it after one? You bet I have, brother. Well, we're done with that. So. <laughs> well, now he's violated God's law. And he's admitted that he has sinned. Well, now, I'm not giving him any type of cure to a disease with which he's completely unfamiliar. Now, he knows he's a sinner. Where do you think you're going to go when you die? I'm going straight to hell. Well, actually, that's actually true. So, <laughs> I'm glad we got that out of the way. So, next, we've got big money. No, so we would, we would talk to the guy. And it really did work. And people, bikers, would just sob. Because they wanted the love of God and thought they were too far gone. When you give them the good test, they realize everybody's done this. And God is gracious and merciful and has found a way and provided a way through His Son, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen? Amen. Cool stuff. I like Ray Comfort stuff. And I, we just have a humongous bin of his, uh, of his deal. I get you, then I get the lady in the back. Um, and then we're going to call it. Well, Taylor, thanks. No, 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 no. <laughs> hang, hang on a second. Hang on a second. No, Taylor, please. <laughs>
Please, Taylor, please. Well, 37 minutes ago, we were talking. Yeah. And well, it really is something that we've all touched on a little bit, particularly that comment of consistency of holiness in our life. And it's amazing. I have Ramban's comment, commentary on the Torah. It's amazing how similar he is to Paul in a lot of ways. Uh, and it's amazing how similar Paul is to Ramban. It does seem as though they were had the same mindset, had the same desires and drives, and the same spirit. So thank God. God. Maybe same Savior. <laughs> Wait. And one of the things that he was explaining on the verse, you shall not eat the eat over the blood. Yeah. And there's a couple different explanations of that. Um, but one of the things that Rambon notes is that this is dealing with, he gives a couple explanations. He says, but the soundest in my eyes is to understand this in the context of, well, there's all these pagan sorcery things that are going on. So eating over the blood is what pagans would do. Mm. They'd have a table with kind of a divot in there. And catch the blood. And then catch the blood that of whatever they were eating. And he says, and we can learn spiritually from this, that we ought not to celebrate you know, the things of God while the things of demons. Mm. And that immediately reminded me of Paul uh, when he's talking in 1 Corinthians of how can we eat at the table of the Lord and the table of demons. It's almost the exact same quote. Um, and Paul's not... He is on one level talking to a specific cultural situation that was happening there. Pagans going to the actual temple, especially in First Corinthians, is very clear that they were actually going to Jerusalem. And also going back to their pagan homes, wherever which cities they are in Corinth, and going to the temple, which is where pretty much you do all the common things, and participating in that. And many of these Corinthians were saying, well, if I can do anything. I'm, I'm fine. I'm free. I'm, not, I'm free. I'm not actually sinning. But not only is it the appearance of sin, but it's a lack of consistency of your own life. And so I think the whole, all the comments that we've been having are talking about being consistently holy. Because you can do a good thing here, a good thing there, a good thing yeah. there. Yeah. But it's an entirely different matter to make a habit of holiness in your own life. Isn't it sad that the pagans notice that the Christians drive slower on Sunday? Isn't it sad that the pagans notice that the Christians drive slowly into the parking lot at the church and drive like bats out of hell on their way out, cutting one another off, getting out of the parking lot? Brethren, these things ought not to be. (laughs) Yes, sir. Thank you. Playing off of that passage and getting towards the end of our of our chapters here. Yes, thank you, Because um, one of the uh, one of the ones that showed up three times. In fact, this morning I'm reading I'm reading the seventh portion. I'm like, Julian, I think we already read this part. She's like, No, no, we didn't. So I'm looking through this. We're going through this morning. I'm like, well, that's why. Because it shows up three different times. Yeah. Is this whole thing with the Ovot and the Yidonim? Yeah. Over and over and over again. And the idea, according to the the commentary, is it deals with the issues of telling the future. And the first time it shows up, um, or very similar, or close to the, it's that one after the blood, it mentions you shall not indulge in sorcery and you shall not believe in lucky times. And then a couple later, um, it mentions the Ovot and Yudonim, and it shows a couple more times. And then the, one of the last verses, in fact, it's the, um, yeah. it's, it's the last commandment, the last verse in this passage, it brings it up again. Yes. And it's interesting because I think that sometimes, um, especially in our culture, it's so easy to get sucked into... Um, those little small things, like, you know, um, oh, it's Friday the 13th, 
or Ooh. you know, it's or like a Chinese restaurant. Do you want to open your cookie? Your fortune cookie. I don't do yeah, those cookies. You're, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, the, the little magic eight ball and all of mm. that kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, you're this Sagittarius. Is... Wait, right? Today's gonna be a great day yeah, for you. I, I mean, I was I was amazed because I had never really heard that. <laughs> and then I started hanging out with um, people <laughs> at work who were more from like. Well, a, a more pagan culture, but also more African American. Apparently, I guess it's a bigger thing in that yeah. culture. Mm. And it was, I was amazed. Everyone's like, "Oh, well, that's why you do that because you're from this. You know, this this is your astrology sign." There's only like, twelve oh kind of people. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, but what was interesting. But, but I mean, like, if you look at this passage, it's like it's a big deal to God. It shows up three different times. Yeah. It's like you. This is not for you guys. That's right. Um, and we need to be much more like set apart to trust God I mean, to take care of these details I mean, instead of trying to predict the future ourselves. And it's, and it's in the little things that we talk about with people where we're making those distinctions. Well, and, I mean, even like, I think about like as Christians, we have a bad habit sometimes of looking for signs in everything. You know? I mean, I, I um, sometimes laugh uh, like there's a character in a TV show and she would, she would comment about Ooh, ooh, well, I, I ate this hamburger and hamburgers come from cows and this friend of mine who really likes cows um, this was like her birthday on this thing, so that means that I should drive to her house. You know, it's like... I've actually talked to people like that on the phone when they're calling for help with their computer. I can't believe that you're Jewish. You have no... Whoa, stop, 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 stop. A, I'm not Jewish, and B, I am not really at all interested in what you're about to tell me. But I mean, I, I, think, that we, I think that we have to be really careful with that because we end up saying what God hasn't said. We're like, oh, well, God told me that I need to do this. Or I had, I had a sign, yeah. and that was God telling me that this is the way that we should be doing this. And it's like, that's not to say that we shouldn't maybe, like, pay attention and go, well, that circumstance turned out really well. Sure. Maybe, that, maybe that's where God's leading me. Could be. But I think we need to be really careful before we start saying, God told me to do this. I think we need Don't to recognize it. the very first sign that God has given, and it's a stop sign right there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anything else? Did I have a yes, Janet? I was just going to say, as a heads up, I was reading something the other day, and people are catching on to the fact that there are those of us who don't eat pork and shellfish. Yeah. Because there was a discussion going on in this thing I was reading, and it was saying, well, I don't send my children to church because they get influenced by things that they don't really understand, and it's, and I don't send my children to this, you know, this is back and forth, and then it was like, well, I'm not going to send my people to people, to people who don't view homosexuals as real people because those are also the people who teach your children not to eat shrimp and pork. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, wow, that was just a cool. real turnabout on what we've been talking yeah. about. Yeah, they were consistent. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if, if you're going to blow away that part, then, you know, they're going to blow away everything. You bet. You but bet. It's a good question. The other day, I, a guy came to give me an estimate on our roof. His name is actually Christian. He was a very nice guy. We had a long discussion on the mezuzah on our door, and his best friend is a secular Jew, and we had a great talk. So, you know, it comes up everywhere. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. It sure does. Yes. Gloria, you have you have the final comment. I also had enough a long time. Well, you left the room too. No, it was late. Okay, I beg your pardon. I apologize. But, okay, so I take that as I was supposed. That was fine. That was my sign. No, I came around. No, anyway, loving kindness. That is yes, that is what has really struck a chord with me about Homer. Mm-hmm. Because that is what they were sharing with me. It's yes. like every day, there, yes. you know, this week anyway, this first week, it's um, about Hesed. 
and ways to show it, correction yeah. on my own heart, you know, am I doing these things? Yeah. And so that was one of the reasons it was meaningful to me to be doing this. And then it goes on into justice, you know, discipline, you know, love is discipline. Um, but in the right spirit, not just in anger or out of force. And, um, and then the Lord reminded me, you know, God is love. You know, and, and all of these laws, it's not to be just doing them or... It is, am I showing love to this person by lying to them or, you know, whatever it is, you know. And it's an expression of love to follow, to do what he said for us to do. It gives us opportunity it's a, it's a, I to expression be loving to people. Of that faith. Mm-hmm. You bet. Um, Greg up I got you. Greg Upham uh, emailed to the entire community. Although maybe just the men, three or four years ago, uh, about the uh, seven by seven. Seven by seven, uh, and I wonder if I can get just get Peter, since he's more familiar with it, since he's looking at it right now, um, to give us a uh, a real quick overview of uh, what, you know. So how does that work? It's math. Right, seven weeks, seven days in a week. Mark, can you hear him back there? It's a little, little soft. I was just gonna aim it toward this part of the room. Oh, so, so a lack of love on the carpet. Wow. As I just said, seven weeks, seven days in a week. There are also happen to be seven basic. Uh, Come on, bring it up, bring it up. Well, I, I don't th- I don't know that everyone is in. Go ahead, do it, do it. Um, sephiroth, right? Come on, give so us a sephiroth. I mean, the explain. Lower. Do you know what a sephiroth is? It's multiple sephiroths. Do you know what a sephiroth is? <laughs> See, he doesn't know what a sephiroth. Yeah, Someone tells like what a sephiroth is. Plural for sephiroth. Boom! Bang! So there's sephiroth. The sephiroth are the manifestations. Sort of emanations. The, the, the forces that God used emanations. to create the world, but it's the stuff that we attribute to God, like loving kindness and uh, power and stuff like that, wisdom. But the lower seven are very related to us, us humans, and the way we interact with people. So, there's something? Uh, just to kind of to, to, to help in here with a comment. In the Torah, in the Torah, um, uh, service when we you know after we after we do the the Shema Israel and etc we we then go into this Adonai okay so that that phrase is actually listing not all seven but it's about four or four or five, four or five of the seven um, emanations or attributes or whatever term you want to use, um, and Gevura, uh, which is strength, um, Teferit, uh, which is um, uh, like greatness, Hanetzach, uh, uh, which is uh, splendor, and Hachod, which is this translates that as glory, I guess. Um, so. Those are a few of the seven 
uh, emanations, roads, attributes. And during the during the seven weeks of counting the Omer, every week there's one of those seven attributes that is highlighted, and then each day of that week, one of the other seven is attached so to the up. primary. So you have like a pairs each day. Right. So you have 49 pairs of attributes that you're, you're studying every day as you go from through the counting of the Omer. And the, the whole concept behind that, which kind of goes back to some of the comments we were making early at the beginning about what's the connection you know, of the Omer. And when we came out of Pesach on that last day, on that seventh day, which is traditionally understood to be the day that we went into the sea and came and crossed on dry land and came up on the other side, right? <clears throat> that At that point in time, we gained our freedom. We're now a free people. But we were still spiritually in bondage. In other words, we had our physical freedom, but we still had the mentality of Mitzrayim. And it took uh, 49 days of um, trekking through the wilderness and, uh, and going up to the mountain, right? And the testing that happened as we went, you know, the bitter waters and Amalek and these different things that happened as we went up to the mountain where we were ascending spiritually. We were, we were free people now. We were no longer physically in bondage, but we still had the mentality of Mitzrayim. And as we ascended through these different attributes, and we came closer and closer and to learn that right, that by the time we stood at the foot of the mountain, we were ready to receive the revelation from God because we had now become spiritually. Uh, free as, as opposed to just physically free. So, And that's the whole idea with the counting of the Omer is to relive. We're, we're supposed to be, it's, a, it's you know, J- Judaism has all of these times throughout the year where you're supposed to be introspective. Mm. If you add them all up, you're basically introspective all the time. time. <laughs> right? And the 39 days of counting the Omer is just another opportunity where we are supposed to be uh, introspective and in preparing ourselves to receive revelation at Shavuot because the festival of Shavuot, that's the purpose of Shavuot. Right. That's when God reveals, right? He revealed the Torah, you know, that first time. He revealed, the, he gave us the Ruach, you know, 1,500 years later, etc. So that's the idea with this, with these um, seven attributes that we attach. Are you good at that? Kabbat.org. has internet access. Yeah. And so they'll they'll email them to you. You can go online and read them. I mean, they're really cool. Very good. You know, and and whether you agree with the yeah, whether you agree with the Sephirot or not, hey, it's cool stuff. There's no way you can't. Well, if yeah. you don't agree, <laughs> you should subscribe. No way, it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pray for you. Did we talk? Did you? Did I miss anybody? Yeah. You actually missed two. <laughs> no, I was going to point out. We're good. Let us pray. Avinu Mokinu, our Father and our King. 
I am so very grateful for everyone in this room. For those who've gathered around me to help me to be sanctified, to, to be set apart, to be holy. Father, I know that the heart in every person here is to do the same. And I'm grateful for that. It is good to be with your people. We pray consistently that you would send your son soon and in our days that you would uh, rebuild your temple. That the uh, offerings would begin again and they would be acceptable in your eyes. Father, we are weary of our time here and seek our king. We pray that you would send him quickly. If he should tarry, Father, I pray that you would find us faithful to study your word, to care and love for one another and demonstrate that we are your subjects, members of your kingdom, loving one another. That we would not choose to avoid witnessing and sharing to those that have not heard. That you would find us faithful and bold, proclaiming and laying out an account of the hope that lies within us. Father, we pray that you would quicken our hearts and grant us great wisdom as we continue to struggle and fight in a crooked and perverse generation. And pray for our children and our grandchildren as they grow up in this world, looking for and hastening the coming of Messiah Yeshua. And all God's people say, Amen. Thank you, folks. God bless you. And uh, we have a uh, 